All right. Uh, if you guys haven't noticed, it is um, uh, the, the, the holiday season, Christmas, all is lights, going to the stores, commercials, I mean, sweaters, like it's, it's all over, right? So we know that it is upon us. And um, I was trying to do a little research, and, and uh, most of the studies that I could find said that about 90% of Americans uh, celebrate Christmas to some extent, whatever, whatever form that might be. But um, I thought that that was interesting. And then there was another study that said that when they started asking about the purposes of Christmas, about 57% of the people could tell somewhat of the birth of Jesus, like God becoming human and, and coming to this earth. They said that about 57% could, could tell the story and maybe 75, the, like a small number could say, I know a few details. And uh, so I thought that was kind of interesting that, uh, that, that I wanted to kind of focus on, on a certain aspect of this this morning. And uh, one of them is that, that uh, Christmas, the, the holiday, is not just, it has been re observed religiously, but also culturally. And that, that was something I was trying to look up, is that there's, there's quite a few people um, that do not view Christmas as a religious holiday. Is it, is it a religious holiday, or is it more of a secular? Secular just meaning non-religious, kind of like everyday life, everyday people. This guy right here is, is not a Christian, um, and uh, he said, um, out of all the 10 official U.S. federal holidays, Christmas is the only one affiliated with one religion's uh, holy day. So he's like, we have all these holidays that are from the government recognized. He said, this is the only one that's religious. And uh, so he's not pleased with it, but there are others. He says, if Christmas were officially declared to be the same kind of holiday as Thanksgiving or New Year's, much of the problem would vanish. So he's, he's saying there needs to be a separation of church and state, uh, is what he's saying, is that uh, if, if the U.S. government recognizes this as a religious holiday, then um, if we just called it a secular holiday, then, then we don't have to worry about it. But um, he said members of other religions, and he named several there, but if you guys want to look it up, you can check it out. He says, uh, for other religions, declaring Christmas as a secular holiday would be an important movement towards eliminating the presumptuous and illegal assertion that America is a Christian nation based upon Christian values. So they're saying, we don't want to, to, to say that uh, America is a Christian nation. We don't want uh, to have anything that, uh, if I'm a non-believer, that uh, I feel like you're forcing your beliefs onto me, is how he's saying it. And I thought this was interesting. He says, the religious meaning of Christmas has already been largely diminished by the commercialization of the holiday and declaring it to be an official secular holiday would do nothing to prevent Christians from celebrating it as devoutly as they wish. That part right there, that, that the religious part of it, you know, a lot of people would connect Christmas to the religion side of it. And he's saying, he, he's a non-believer anyway, but he's saying, hey, that side of it has already been largely diminished because of the commercialization, which is one of the negatives that I have about 
the Christmas holiday season is that uh, most of us recognize that a lot of times what's pushed is the material, uh, the materialism, just, just, just trying to do this. And, and uh, you guys have heard why they call it Black Friday. Um, that, that there, was a, there was these studies that showed that many businesses operated in the red, in the negative, almost the entire year. And then right after Thanksgiving, they could start making enough money to move them from being in, the, in debt as a business that they would sell enough to move into the black. And so that's how it became known as Black Friday. And so estimated this year, it's estimated that there will be $1 trillion from November to December spent on Christmas of some sort, food, clothing, gifts, whatever, uh, travel, all of those things, about a trillion dollars, and about 22% of Americans will go into debt. That's not a good thing if, if, we're, if we're focusing all on just the material, if we're just, you know, we're willing to go into debt on some of these things. Those are, those are not, not some of the things that, uh, that, that are good about this time. Sometimes it's used as just a time of uh, an extra time to get off of work and to party and to, to, to um, uh, be in drunkenness and, and all kinds of other uh, sinful things. But not everybody does that, but that it is used. Um, some of the other things that uh, you guys can find, you guys have done, can, can read about all of these other things. But again, to minimize, to diminish, to separate the religious part of it, uh, you know, you have things like Santa Claus and North Pole and the reindeer and, and other aspects to it that diminish God became flesh. God became flesh. So to, to separate some of those things that... Uh, um, are not brought up. Um, there are other things that, that, that you might notice that uh, we'll, we'll talk about a little bit, like uh, how many wise men, and, and uh, even when they tell the Bible story, sometimes it's told in the wrong way, right? That's, that's told in the wrong way. So we, we, we know that that's not always a positive thing. Um, and then there's a thing that people will focus on, um, uh, December 25th. Like, why December 25th? Well, I got, a, I got an article, a page that I, I will hand out at the end, but, but it goes through why December 25th, and uh, you might find it interesting. It's not from a, a brother in Christ, but it is uh, uh, just written this past month uh, in the Bibli Biblical Archaeological Review. So, why December 25th? You guys can check that out and, uh, and see uh, some of these things, you know, the Bible doesn't tell us when Jesus was born. It doesn't give us his date. The Bible doesn't show Christians of, of making that a, a specific day to, to say happy birthday to Jesus. You know, we don't have any of those, those type of things in, in the Bible. Um, so what I wanted to do, though, is I, I did want us to think about um, how this thought of much of Christmas, especially its traditional view, is tied with a religious aspect of Jesus becoming human. That God, the creator, moving into becoming part of the creation. And the U.S., uh, especially here, it seems like we're, we're trying to push 
I know I feel, I, I, you know, those of you that are older, maybe even more so, that we say that it seems like America is becoming less Christian overall. You know, I, I remember that the Ten Commandments could be put in uh, courtrooms. You would see that was in the courtrooms, and there was sort of like these uh, um, lawsuits that saying, hey, you can't have those in, in courtrooms. So they start taking out the Ten Commandments. Prayer in school, uh, even some places, Pledge of Allegiance, because we don't want to say, I pledge allegiance, one nation under God. You know, all of these things, it seems like we're trying to say we don't want to have anything connected with Christianity, even though you go back into our history and our founding uh, fathers and a lot of what's in, in these things was founded on Christian principles. Not all of those guys were Christians, but a lot of it is based on Christian principles. So it seems like they're pushing it out. And, and then when you do have like a holiday that is recognized as Christian for the most part, even non-Christians would recognize it as a Christian holiday, that they don't want you to say Merry Christmas because it refers to Christ, uh, uh, some of those kinds of things. But here's, here's what I want us to think about a little bit. Um, I am grateful that at least once and sometimes twice a year, people who might not normally think about Jesus are thinking about Jesus. You know, there's some people, they only go to church twice a year. Um, it's Christmas and Easter. And uh, for that, uh, I am grateful that uh, at this time of the year, there it tends to be a little bit more talk and visualization of Jesus as a whole. Like Paul said, when you looked at uh, Philippians, in uh, Philippians that, that, that Wacy wrote or read, Paul wrote that he said that there were some people who were preaching Christ for the wrong reasons, out of envy and strife and selfish ambitions. He said, whether, he said that some were preaching uh, for the wrong reasons, but he says, you know what, whether they're doing this in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. Some people may have the wrong motives about Christmas, but you know what, if Christ is proclaimed, I am grateful. I am grateful that more people are thinking about it because not all of us will spend time throughout the year thinking about God becoming human that the Creator put on uh, a body as a, as a little baby, right? So for that, I am grateful. There are other things that are good about this time of the year that I love spending time with family. I'm grateful that we get a little bit of time off. I am grateful for the food. I'm grateful for, you know, times to give gifts. And it doesn't have to be bought. You know, I remember sometimes when our family would say, this year, nobody gets to, to purchase anything. Everything has to be handmade or everything has to be uh, by a craft or something like that. Sometimes those things happen. I've heard other, other people that will say, don't give any gifts to us personally. You're going to give gifts to others that are in need. You know, that's ultimately what we, what we look at. But... This slide right here is, is the reason that I say this. Um, the Pew Research Center in December of 2017, so this is still outdated, and I'm sure it's gone down since then, but declining majority of Americans believe the historical or the biblical 
and historical. Christmas story reflects uh, historical events. In 2014, uh, 73% of, of people believe that Jesus uh, was born a virgin. Uh, 2017, only 66%. So my point in this is that it seems like, again, not all of the, the story of uh, when people say the Christmas story, people bring in other things, but at the center of that has been this story that's been told for generations and generations to little kids that God became flesh. And they start telling the story of a virgin birth and how she wasn't able to get into an inn and how, uh, and how the angels rejoiced and how these shepherds came to see him in the manger and swaddled in clothing, born in a barn basically, right? There's these, these facts that the Bible has, and more and more people don't believe it's real. They're like, that's just like Santa Claus, or just like the Easter Bunny. It's just like all these other things. It just becomes sort of a fairy tales of, of what people will talk about. And what we see here is that there is a decline in the historical facts that these things really did happen. It happened, and we have an opportunity at this time of the year, I think, to say people might be a little open to proclaim Jesus. It's not like as, as um, you know, if you're sitting there at uh, July or something like that and, and you're talking about Jesus' birth, not to say it's a bad time, but that's not necessarily on their mind. That may not be on their mind, whereas right now they're seeing the nativities, the, the, the pictures of Jesus and, and animals around him and stuff like that. Maybe it's on their mind. Maybe they're hearing, hearing um, these, these songs and things like that that are referring to Jesus. Um, when we look at these statistics, it really makes me sad that not only are we losing the story, but we're losing that people believe that it's, that it's real. Right, that we're, we're losing some of those things. And so what I wanted us to do then is I wanted us to look at um, Matthew. If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18. In Matthew chapter 1 and verse 18, I wanted us to spend some time so that you guys, some of you may not have even read this in a, in a while, right? But to get the facts, to say these are the facts, and maybe um, so maybe when you guys are at work, when you're talking to family members, when you're talking to, to neighbors, different types of, that this is hopefully maybe an open door. What I see is maybe at this time of the year we have an open door, but here's some facts. After Sorry, chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, 
For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. He's quoting Isaiah. Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son and he called his name Jesus. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, King Herod inquired of them. He said, Where is the Messiah to be born? And they said, in Bethlehem of Judea. For this is what has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judea, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Now pay attention to that detail, right? Herod wanted to know, when did this star appear to you? Because you've been following this star to worship this, this, this Messiah. And so Herod wanted to know when. When they saw the star, or excuse me, after hearing the king, um, sorry, verse 7, they, then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, and Herod said, Go and search carefully for the child, and when you have found him, report to me, so that I too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which they had seen in the east went before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy, after coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Now when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, get up. Take the child and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to destroy him. So Joseph got up and took the child and his mother while it was still night and left for Egypt. He remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what had been spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged 
And he sent and he slew, he murdered, he slaughtered all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all of its vicinity all around it from two years old and under according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children as she refused to be comforted because they were no more. Guys, there's some cool things in there that, um, that are fascinating. Again, we don't study it all the time, but it might be an opportunity for you to share. One of them is that you guys see the nativity scene. Sometimes they put it on their lawn. Sometimes it's on TV, whatever. It shows like Jesus in a, in a barn type looking. You got animals around him. And a manger uh, was what they fed the cattle out of, like a trough. Okay, the trough, they would put the feed and the hay in that trough, and that's what the animals would eat out of. Well, what they did is instead of a trough, they used it as like a crib. That, that's what they wrapped Jesus in and put him in there. Now, this story, the birth of Jesus is only brought up two out of the four times in the Gospels. It's brought up in Matthew, and it's brought up in Luke. It's not in Mark, and it's not in John. So it, the birth of Jesus isn't even brought up in all of the Gospels, two out of the four. And in this one, Matthew focuses on these magi, these wise men. And if you guys think about this nativity scene, you, you have Jesus lying in a manger, Mary and Joseph right there, the animals around, and usually, not always, but what do you see there? Three wise men, right? A lot of times they'll talk about the wise men coming and visiting Jesus there. But did it say that Jesus, did it say that he was um, in the manger when these guys came? Where was he? You see, it says that when they came, they, they found where he was at. And um, when it stopped, they came to Bethlehem and uh, they saw, they rejoiced in verse 10. I love this right here. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And I hope that's the mentality that we can have to think about Jesus came to earth. What a wonderful what a wonderful gift. Now look at what it says right here. After coming into the house, right? They came into the house. They didn't go to the manger, right? They weren't at the barn, but that's many times what we see is the, the wise men are at the, the manger. And so that's something that we, that we tend to see. Now, mine uses the word magi. Other versions might use the word wise men. Did you see how many wise men were mentioned here? How many did it say? It doesn't say, right? But again, in all of the stories, we always say three. But the Bible doesn't say that. But what we do have is that they brought three different types of gifts, right? The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. And so those are three different kinds of gifts. So whether it was... Um, one guy brought each of those things, or it could have been 15 of them. We, we, we don't know, right? It just says magi, plural, wise men, plural. So it could have been two. 
Could have only been two. Could have been 15. We don't know. But we have the three gifts. But what is important to, to look at here is how there was prophecy about Jesus' birth. What's also interesting to me that I've never completely figured out on here is it seems like that these magi, these wise men, it says they came from the east. So we don't know if they're Jewish or if they're Gentiles. We don't know. It's just somewhere over there in the east. And what's amazing is that God would bring them from the east all the way over to meet with King Herod and say, where is the Messiah? Where is the Christ? We have come to worship him. How did they know this? Like, where did this information come from? How, how did they, because you had all these Jews, they weren't just flocking. They weren't given a star. They weren't, you know, how, how is it that these guys knew that this Messiah had been born and that he was worthy of worship? Worshiping a baby. Like there's something different here. This is, this is fascinating, and it brought such joy to them that it said they rejoiced exceedingly. And you guys can look it up some point, but these gifts were known to be very expensive gifts and gifts for a king. Gifts for a king. You think about those men that came to worship him. These are some of the facts, and you guys can spend some time in, in Luke. But I see this time of the year as an opportunity. Whether we agree with it or not, 90% of the people are celebrating Christmas. We can take them from where they are, what little they may know, all these different backgrounds that they come from, and let's use it as an opportunity to help bring them closer to the truth of Jesus. Because the birth, man, everybody loves cute little babies. But not everybody loves a king that tells you what to do and is telling you that you need to die to self, that tells you that, it, that, that you cannot enter into heaven except by me, Jesus Christ. Not everybody likes a king telling them what to do. But people like the little baby. So Christmas has become very celebrated. But isn't it interesting that the very part that is of Christianity is what's trying to get watered out of that. We don't want to emphasize Jesus. We'll emphasize all of these other aspects to minimize Jesus. Now, whether you guys decide to celebrate Christmas or not, I view this as an opportunity to try to reach people because they are, many of them, 9 out of 10, are looking to this time period and possibly thinking of God becoming human. So as we look back at Philippians chapter 1, I love what Paul says. And he says in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, I want you to know, brethren, that my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Whatever is going on in our culture, in our society, it seems like it's moving away from God. So any opportunity and chance that we have to proclaim and to see greater progress of the gospel, Paul's saying, hey, these circumstances 
are leading to an opportunity to progress the good news of Jesus Christ. Whether they're doing this for the right motives or the wrong motives, Paul says, whether it's in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in this, I rejoice. In that, I rejoice. I am grateful. And I pray that there will be more people that will come to know, truly know, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah, the King, the greatest gift that was ever given. And not just some uh, temporary cultural event, but it becomes a lifestyle where we celebrate Jesus every first day of the week, where we're able to come together and, and remember what he did, the gift that was given to us. So as we go into the next couple of weeks, we're going to have chances to talk to people. And we have a chance to, to, to focus on Jesus or to just focus on the, like the one guy said, the, the, the materialism and the cultural side of it. What side are we going to focus on? I hope that we can have an opportunity to promote Jesus as King. I know this morning's lesson is not really designed to say how to become a Christian, but it's more of an encouragement to those of us that are Christians to say, we are his hands and his feet. Let's go out. Let's spread that good news about Jesus Christ and take advantage, maybe an open door that uh, has been provided. But if you're struggling yourself and you know that there's something you need to repent of, that there's something that you need prayers for, this is a time to come forward. As Evan had a great lesson this morning that uh, for some of you, you might not be Christians and you might not have given your, your life to, to Jesus and uh, you have not accepted that gift that he is offering to us. If you need to make that decision, we have an opportunity together. We stand and sing the song.